Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. This is a podcast for anybody interested in reinventing what education is all about. Here on the show, we talk about the three aims of school, the four values, and the four aspects. So the three aims or intentions of school are occupational preparation and building citizenship and to facilitate humans who fulfill their potential. The four values we've been discussing Talk about how we organize school communities around security, achievement, inclusion, or integration. And our four aspects of education that we address are the reactions and beliefs about education, culture and community, resources and activities, and as well the environment and systems. Previously on Reinventing Education, we looked at what a value is, and our four values again are security, achievement, inclusion, and integration. As always, joined by Brendan O'Leary. How are you, Brendan? And I'm Rob McLeod. So last time we talked about what a value is in a sentence or two. What's the summary from that one? So we said a value was the defining kind of filter. It's things you see. It's the things you think about and it is your actions you take. And they're all aiming to improve or maintain a particular worldview, whether it is a worldview that favors security, ambition, uh, inclusion or integration. Your value determines what you perceive, how you think about that, and then the actions you take to improve and maintain your world. Essentially, a value informs the world that we see. It informs what we give importance to or what we don't see as being important. And based on the world we think we're seeing and what we're valuing or not valuing, we make judgments about how to act in that world. And we're essentially saying that those actions, those perceptions, and those kind of thoughts about the world are all in service of one kind of value. And we're talking about four different values here, security, achievement, inclusion, and integration. And we're essentially saying that, of course, all of us have a bit of all of these, but one of those four comes out on top in in the end. It kind of trumps the others. We've got space for the others, but essentially we're saying at the end of the day, all of our actions, all of our kind of thoughts, all of our perceptions are being influenced by one of these over the other three when it comes to education. And so part of the reason why we are looking into what a value is, is that we believe the community organizes itself around one of these values. And we are right now trying to dig into what a healthy school community is. And following that thought to its logical conclusion, if your value is security, there is a healthy version of a security oriented school community. And likewise, there is a healthy version of a integration favoring school community and for each of these four values we would like to try and paint a picture of what the healthy version of each of these four communities may look like with the aim of taking the healthiest elements of each and integrating them together for that integration school community yeah and i think this all sounds very abstract and like we're crazy scientists doing something here on just a really practical level if you look around at a bunch of different schools there is a lot of different ways ways we go about doing school. And we're basically saying that everybody has got at least some kind of answer of something they're doing right or something that we like, something that's worth keeping, a baby, if you will, in the bathwater. And we're also just saying, though, when we look around, there's a lot of 
junk, garbage, or just wasted kind of stuff that goes on in schools. And I guess through what you and I are hoping to do here, we're trying to like help build our capacity and maybe listeners' capacities and capacities of others to have some nuance and discernment when we're looking at schools and and to be able to maybe hand over some helpful categories for people to kind of look at a school, analyze what's good about it, what can be tossed aside, and then keep all those good parts and use them to build something new. Um, And I think this is unique. The reason why only you and I can do this is none of these values, if left to themselves, would be able to be like as self-critical and appreciative of the others as I think we are trying to be. I think for the reasons we'll begin to show in this episode and in future episodes, when you're in one of these kind of first three values, the first three values being security, which kind of leads into the achievement, which leads into inclusion. These three kind of see themselves as as the game in town. They see themselves as sort of having essentially all the answers. Of course, they can do things a little better, but they are the right way to go about things. And essentially, these other two are misguided or even wrong in their sort of general organizing pursuits. We're kind of bringing this integration value, which wants to look back at these three and say, yeah, you guys are never going to do this yourselves, but we're going to bring a little humility and say you're doing some things great, but there's also a lot of stuff that could be set aside. And and that's, I think, ultimately what you and I are in service of here with these future episodes. And I always feel that we speak of humility while sounding like the most asses in our ivory tower looking down on these three poor values. They just they just can't see how wrong and bad they are. They need to be more humble. They don't have all the answers. They, they don't, don't have, have the, the answers. They don't have the humility of us. <laughs> but we've got the answer. We can see what they can. We have got the answer and we're very certain about this. And in fact, the proof's in the pudding. The idea here being that if we're at least conscious of the model and explicit about where we are to the greatest extent, we can see that there is good and bad in everyone and we should learn to love and learn to give each other what we need to survive. Wow. Those Paul McCartney lyrics? Alive. And Stevie Wonder. Ah, Stevie Wonder. Okay, so we've set out our model, our agenda, but right now we're turning that model of what we think school already looks like, the values, the aspect, and the aims. We're turning towards this idea of what is a healthy version of a school. Okay, so where are we up to today, Rob? What is our goal in this next segment? So first, we've talked about the four aspects of what education is. And these four aspects are kind of like all of the places you can see or find education or school, this kind of giving and receiving of systematic instruction. But we could kind of make a value judgment on this and say that just because it's happening um, doesn't mean that it's even being done well. We want to bring this idea of health and unhealth to kind of talk about, like, I guess, a sliding scale of how an approach to education is doing. And we could say that health is a core aim of humanity because it extends life and can potentially make life a bit happier and better. And a community is healthy when each member of the community experiences well-being. And we're essentially defining well-being as being comfortable and happy. So we're, we're wanting, I guess, as any kind of group to promote something that will promote well-being for the individuals and the, the whole 
together. So this means that the community satisfies each person's needs physically, mentally, and socially, and ideally advances their aspirations or ensures that the individual's wants are being met. The healthiest state of a community is when the four aspects of the community are in congruence, they're in alignment, they're in agreement, and there's an effectiveness um, between all of them. So all four aspects are working together simultaneously to kind of reinforce the value or reinforce kind of the organizing principle. Things are working together in the machine and not in opposition to each other. And all four aspects support and work together to ensure that they are sustainable and that they can be maintained and protected and ultimately possibly even bettered and kind of updated and altered as time goes on. So essentially this means that like individuals beliefs, the shared culture, the resources and the systems and our activities, all these things that are in the aspects are all working together and facilitating well-being. But this is where values come in because we're saying there's not one universally agreed upon idea about how to go about facilitating well-being or even to some degree even what well-being is defined as. And this is where these four values that we're looking at come in. Yeah, it seems to be that if we if we have the beliefs of the individuals and the culture, the resources and the systems within our community all working together for the long-term well-being of everybody inside that community, this is health. Now, obviously, there there may be points where there's a conflict or there's a, a major war, for example, and the community needs to come together. And in that moment, of course, the well-being of those individuals is probably not being met. However, the community in this point is in that short term trying to fix or maintain the world so that it then becomes this secure or uh, integrated or achievement-centered place once again. It's looking for, I guess, homeostasis where they're looking for the environment itself to be self-sustaining. And the only way we can see that that would happen is if all of these aspects were working to support the others. If one begins to not meet the needs of the others. For example, if the systems no longer meet the needs of the culture, or if the resources inside the community no longer meet the uh, the beliefs of the individual, then we would experience a decline in well-being. And one example of this, I'm going to step out of school for a moment, because I think maybe this makes it really clear. We could look at these four aspects for another topic first, and then make connections to school. So I often use the example of someone's wanting to lose 10 pounds or wanting to get in good shape or wants, like you, O'Leary, wants to bench a little more than they are currently benching. So these four aspects, they're not just domains of school. These are things you could apply to other areas as well. So your reactions and beliefs need to be in alignment with essentially your goal here. So you have to, I guess, be motivated. You have to like emotionally feel inspired that this is an attainable goal. It has to be in alignment with what matters to you. Um, as well, like your culture and community go a long way uh, in your ability to maintain health in whatever kind of physical form you want to talk about that in. You know, the people you surround yourself with, if everybody else is eating, you know, cheese, garlic, 
potato wedges and really no, low nutritional food, this is probably going to be a harder thing. So your your community and the culture around you, the, the culture of like the be- shared beliefs about food that you grew up with are going to come into play here. Uh, the resources and activities, resources here, I'd say like this kind of comes down to like nutrition and uh, the activities comes down to like the actual kinds of exercises you're doing. The food you're eating and the activities you're doing either reinforcing or going against that aim, that goal of yours and finally the environment and systems like if the gym's only open till eight and you get home at seven maybe you need to find another place to be able to do this you know your your system of food prep or your weekly schedule of when you're when you're going to do your workouts like these things either support or go against your goal or your aim much the same way schools are essentially doing the same thing now they're obviously not saying let's lose 10 pounds but they're saying hey we're gonna have people here for like the better part of three quarters of a year, and we're going to be doing stuff here, we've got to organize cultural norms or unite the kind of communities in some way or another. We've got to be doing stuff. We've got to have activities. We're going to need resources to do those activities. We've got a physical environment, and we're going to have to have systems in place for what we're doing here. And as well on the individual level, People are going to be showing up their own reactions and beliefs. And ideally, a school is saying we want all these things to work together to reinforce something. And we're trying to point out here that there's at least three or four different kind of organizing values or organizing principles that these aspects are all working together into either serve, which we're saying is kind of this healthy version of things, or perhaps these aspects aren't working together Um or not in alignment, and that's where we get into this unhealthy aspect. Yeah, and I think when you start to talk about a community with many people, the aspects are not always as visible within yourself. Obviously, your thoughts and feelings are somewhat of a mystery, your beliefs, but with some introspection, you can at least begin to dig into them. Culture and community, or culture is a mysterious being, and um, as we've said many times before, you know, ignore it at your peril, and inside a community of a school to really keep those four aspects in alignment and all working towards your value or your goal, which is a a world that is as secure as it can be or a world that is achieving as it can be. That is an incredibly difficult task. Even just old Bobby losing 10 pounds, it's hard enough to keep all your own quads in alignment because as we've talked about many times before, you will almost certainly have a blind spot. And this is where we'll get back into this a little more. But if you want to have a healthy community, we need to keep those four aspects of school in alignment. And to do that, we need to make sure that we're being very conscious of our own blind spots or the things we are not seeing. So let's talk about how these schools appear. We've talked historically how like, you know, sort of late 1700s in Prussia, this kind of model popped up for the first time in history, which is essentially saying, hey, all kids have access to education statewide and quickly it's caught on. And now we're in this situation, you know, 200 plus years into the future where we're going, hey, this is now something that our societies have to contend with and kind of figure out and and sort out what to do with it moving forward. So 
the strange part about a school community is to some degree, I'd argue that it is kind of an artificial community. So a community is formed by lots of people with similar kind of beliefs and reactions to the world. And the strange part about schools is there's some kind of like gatekeeper for this. Now, if you're in like a kind of typical public school that I grew up in, essentially the gatekeeper is just your geographic location because I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere where you're just trying to get enough kids together in an area to fill up a school. But in a more densely populated area, you would maybe get like a, a slight diversity in the general kind of approaches to schools, whether it's a school that's maybe more subject based, like, hey, we do more maths or sciences here, or we're a more arts based school, or it might actually be around like a type of pedagogy. So in the areas where you do have some choice where you show up to school, um, you might see these different values being represented a little bit differently. And there's kind of a door that's saying, you know, let's, well, let's give an extreme example. Let's say, you know, you've got the school that really centers itself around achievement. And it says like, you come here, we're going to help you do the best on your test scores. We're going to help you do the best, get into the best schools. You're going to achieve, achieve, achieve. Well, if you're maybe coming from more like the inclusion mindset, maybe you're not a fit for that place because they're going to be demanding that of you. And maybe that's not sort of where you're at. So the strange part about schools is like all of the community members are either somewhat arbitrary or somewhat kind of brought together due to forces outside of their control. And then it's kind of whichever value is able to kind of grab the power collectively that then informs what that school is looking like. That culture emerges from the shared beliefs of its community members, and that informs what the activities look like and and the environment of the space and, and the systems that are involved and the kind of resources that are used or not used in that kind of case. Um, and just on the practical level, like a school that is hiring for a new teacher is essentially using their interview process to check whether or not the person coming in is going to be in alignment and kind of carry out what's being desired here. If they're taking in new students, they're probably doing some degree of filtering or testing or interview, maybe to see if this kind of student is a good match for their school. And as well, when a school is looking to take on a new leader, they're probably looking to some degree to have somebody show up who's going to at least in some way keep the status quo of the current operating value, or at least maybe be able to improve where they are from there. So schools in this sense are somewhat of an arbitrary group of people that seem to then be organized by a core value that arises out of the group. Well, I mean, a community itself would kind of, by the time you get to 2019, we get, we get a lot of choices in the communities we join and our societies are set up with such flexibility that we can leave, we can move around. So if you find yourself, let's say, in a school community and you are a teacher, for example, there's the door. It might not be as easy as that. You have, you know, bills to pay. You have, there are other jobs in other communities that it may be better suited to. Likewise, if a parent finds that they are not in alignment with the community. There's ways that they can talk to the school, they can protest the school, they, they can interact with the school to try and move the school more in the direction they want. Or alternatively, they can also leave and go to a different school in a different place. And this is especially true for private schools that specialize in particular areas. You may have a stage school, you may have a, a school that uh, focuses more on practical um, skills, or as you said, is very ambition-led. But yeah, the, the actual collection of people within a school 
school. It's it's an interesting story when you start to dig in how everybody got there. Um, but what I would say is that there are some schools that are very explicit in knowing the kind of person they want to let in. And so they're very selective with their students and very selective with their teachers. Chris Baum at the Millennium School, we interviewed a while back, he spoke about how difficult it was, the process that they had to go through to find a teacher that they felt would be in alignment with their values. So this is an explicit choice, it's conscious. And that makes much more sense to be conscious and explicit of the school's value and then <coughs> to seek community members. But then once you have a community, it becomes much more difficult because we're all humans and we're all wildly different. And so the flexibility and the context becomes really important. Yeah. And two things there. One, the idea of interviews. Maybe I'll talk about that second. But uh, the first thing is like time just also comes into this so much. When you're talking about how people got there, the average students there, because they were born <laughs> in a certain year and where they geographically live right now, they had like the an option between one to three different schools they could end up. But their biggest thing is just like what year they were born. That's why they're there. I've also seen schools that have not hired necessarily to value, but it's just more been a time crunch thing. Some teacher tells the school in July that they're leaving and then all of a sudden it's summer break and only two people applied and they took one of these people, not because necessarily they represented the value in the interview, but just simply like, oh, this person has some other credential that puts them above this other candidate, that kind of thing. So I would add that some schools, yes, intentionally bring people into the community. I'm just going to guess more often the case people got there and then it's up to the variety of competing values that are in there to sort out how that organization will organize itself. The second thing is I know for myself having these ideas on in my kind of like dashboard, I've sat in interviews now interviewing for schools and you know with a few strategic questions I can pretty quickly guess where an administrator who's interviewing me is coming from. I can tell more or less if they're coming from the security value or the achievement or inclusion or integration. And perhaps this, I wouldn't say it's deceptive on my part, you could argue that, but it's sort of like, oh, well, there's lots of things I could say in this interview. I've taught for 10 years now. There's lots of things I could address, but I will custom tailor them to kind of the value you're discussing because I know if I talk about this other stuff, you're either not going to care or you're potentially going to kind of like use it against me. Whereas I can actually speak to your value and show that, oh yeah, no, totally. If that's what you value, here are the things that I genuinely do that are in alignment and match with what you're saying. And ideally, you know, this talk about like not being humble, it's like I can even make some distinction to them of here's the babies, here's the bathwater, here's the things are really where we are in alignment and I'm doing in a good way. And here's the other aspects of what we both value, but here's what I kind of discard from that. Um, and it's been interesting to approach interviews from that, that lens. Yeah. So ultimately, the culture and the communities are the boss and kind of inform everything that's going on. So culture determines everything that happens within the community. It determines the resources which are purchased in that upper right aspect. It informs the actions that are allowed in the upper right. The systems and protocols in the place, which we would say are in the lower right aspects. And even the individual beliefs in the upper left. So the interior of the individuals that are being accepted. Now, sometimes the value is visible and explicit, either through assertion or direct action, which is helping to either improve the value or protect it or help it fight or resist against 
another value. Though often the value filter presents itself invisibly or more implicitly. And we often talk about how culture is more of an, an invisible thing or kind of unspoken. So it arises implicitly in thoughts, culture, actions, protocols, sort of this indirect maintaining, just this group sense of knowing how things should be. In shaping a community and therefore in determining its health, the lower left, this idea of the community and culture is boss. And it's sort of like the group is referencing this to organize every aspect around it. It's kind of like through consensus, we've agreed this is the value that we're going for because this is what we believe works best for how to live. So given that culture drives the community, that lower left culture must influence the other quadrants or the other aspects to favor the driving value. So it's sort of like you're arranging all four of these pieces to reinforce each other. Each one of these aspects is helping to support the other aspects in the different areas. So all the aspects ensure that your driving value is the normal. It's seen as the way things are or should be. This is normal. It's ensuring that a sense of well-being comes out on top. And there's a certain shared community narrative or definition of what that well-being is. Now, each individual may not be in alignment with the value, but that value is still allowed to function as the organizing value. Change occurs via feedback from the individuals. So eventually there needs to be some kind of critical mass on the individual scale to actually challenge that lower left aspect of the community and the culture to bring in something new that will then be allowed and supported and fostered to kind of filter through those other aspects. This sounds like group yeah. think, O'Leary. Um, I think we do not want to underestimate the fact that school, a school community is just that. It is a community. It has come together with the purpose of educating the the, the members of the community. And the interesting thing here for me was how we're saying the value kind of suggests what is normal, what is acceptable. In politics, they call it the Overton window, as in these views and actions are acceptable in this particular time and context. And obviously it changes within time periods in different parts of the world of what words and actions are acceptable. So it's interesting, the, the values that's driving the community is saying this is our normal state. And the interesting thing is that maybe that suggests that health or well-being is not some universal unchanging constant but is actually heavily subjective based on the values of the people within the community. Obviously physical health is probably much more easy to measure in terms of high weight, the functions of your heart and breathing. Now of course that one is much less likely to change depending on your value, though how you become physically healthy will. But we're also talking about how health encompasses mental health and this idea of social health. And here I think different values will have different understandings or different models of what the world should be. That probably means that to be healthy in that value, to be mentally healthy in that value, you would have a different mindset than somebody in a completely different time and place. So if I'm in a school that's operating from a security value, for me to be mentally and socially healthy in that place, I would need a different mindset set than if I were in a very inclusive um, school community. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? That, that by setting what normal is, this has a big impact on how healthy you are in that community. Yeah, the normal is like a reference point or an orienting point, I guess, for that culture, that community. And we can see, at least in schools, there's clearly at least three very different values informing that idea of what is, what is healthy for them. I think this is where a key part comes in of all 
all of these values in our definition of health are responding to the challenges around them. And we alluded to this earlier that each value informs what is being perceived and the narrative around that. So each of these values could fundamentally be seeing or ignoring completely different challenges than each other as well. And therefore, one step further from that, also having completely different definitions of what healthy looks like in relation to those that selective range of challenges. Because our definitions of health are essentially the community or the system's ability to to be able to have the resources to handle the challenges that it's facing. But we, due to our values, might not even agree on the actual challenges we are facing. Or if we do talk about the same topic, we might be talking about very different components of the same issue. Yes, so even though you can be physically healthy in a place that you are completely unaligned with, it's probably quite hard to reach high levels of mental and social health in those, or or at least more difficult than it would be in a community that you felt fully aligned with. I think that's kind of the big thing that strikes me from that little section there. And to try and give a more concrete example, let's say you are a lover of romantic comedies, and that's who you are. Rom-coms. Your email address in the late 90s was romcomlover14 at AOL.com. You've been into rom-coms for a long time. I've got You are physically healthy, body's doing well, heart, heart's beating well, you're getting your jogs in, all this sort of stuff, but you're spending your days in a Star Wars loving community. Now you can, you can maintain your health, but essentially at the end of the day, you're out of alignment with that larger culture. I want to talk the ins and outs of a Richard Curtis movie, but everybody's talking about Siths and Jedis. I can't get on board with these guys. But I, I do get you. It's like if you are out of whack with that community, yeah, I, I'm doing my push-ups and I'm feeling healthy and I'm eating well. But unfortunately, I'm not really connecting on any level with the people around me, probably having a lot of conflicts with them, probably having a lot of internal conflicts about whether this is the right place for me, therefore making it much more difficult for social and mental. Yeah, and you're not seeing um, what you value. I realize I'm being a little bit cheekier, but you're you're not seeing what you value being valued by those around you. And in fact, other things that you don't value are being given privilege as being important, worthy of time, worthy of attention, worthy of effort. And you lack that sense of belonging because maybe ultimately you're like, yeah, sure, we're all humans. But at the end of the day, there's two types of people in this world. There's rom-com lovers and and the wrong people. And if you're in a group that you fundamentally disagree with their core values, um, I guess it becomes a matter of how you can either anesthetize yourself to the effects of that or just persist through that or start on the individual level, throwing up your complaints, criticisms, feedback, all these sorts of things to see if they land in that culture. Because maybe others are complicitly going along with, with the nature of that value. And, and you can kind of start to create a bit of a, I guess, a, a limit at some point of people who are organized and say, yeah, no, there, there needs to be a change to this culture, which then ripples out into all these other aspects of, oh, let's change some of these resources. Let's change our practices. Let's change how we're organizing these things. Um, I realize in my love actually versus the the Jar Jar Binks film analogy that doesn't quite work because we're essentially saying stop liking Star Wars and start liking rom-coms. But on the school level, we could see the shift from, yeah, let's just get away from obedience and move more towards merit. So let's move away from security and let's move more towards the actual attempt to objectively um, assess merit. Or let's step away from this merit and let's start to move towards more inclusion because this one size fits all thing isn't working. So I think that's how you start to see the change in the aspects within a school. 
cool. I think so. Those squeaky wheels. But I, I, as we move into the next... Squeaky wheels can also be just torn off the cart and discarded as well. Exactly. It's not, it's not always the best policy. And there's always the door. The other option is this isn't the right place for me. I'm leaving, which is, you know, obviously a really common answer in within communities. We are going to, as we move into what we are calling season four in the next couple of episodes, try to paint pictures of schools that may exist in isolation in the sense that everybody in that community is on board. And then we will play around with the idea of what happens as more and more people within that community begin to dissent or feel that something is missing. And then we see the shift towards a new value emerging. We can then use the value to define the concept of well-being and health. So once a community is formed around this driving value, it then uses that value as its own definition of well-being, as we were just discussing earlier. Now, as long as the four aspects or perspectives support this well-being, the community will provide resources to meet its members' needs, and the members will therefore be comfortable and happy and what we are calling well or healthy. The beliefs and reactions of all are in alignment, as are the culture and the activities and the systems, and there, lo, the community is healthy. And as we just said, over the next few episodes, we will attempt to paint a picture of healthy communities operating under these values of security, achievement, inclusion, and integration. So I'm hoping it'll be fun and enlightening. We just have a, a candle lighting our way through this dark tunnel right now. We're not sure exactly where we are. We have this model, we have this map, but the night is somewhat dark. But I have high hopes for these four stories. They will enlighten our dark summer... <laughs> Our dark summer months. But first, we're going to take a summer break, right, Mike? Do you want to add anything? To yeah, it's summer break time. I think it's time to let these ideas marinate and grow in like fungus on bread type ways into new ideas. And we've been very abstract up to this point. So I think our next step is to actually talk to people and um, build concrete examples, point out where we see these kinds of things in the schools or communities around us and uh, bring our highfalutin ideas back down to earth, get them grounded and yeah, hopefully begin to make this even more practical for people to apply into their communities and, and help just point out stuff that is happening around them already. So enjoy your sweet, sweet summer in America, Brendan O'Leary. Will do. Enjoy your sweet, sweet summer in Belgique. Rob McLeod? Yeah, I'm just going to enter fatherhood. No big deal this summer. I, I heard. I heard some rumors. Well, all the best from the reinventing education community who I speak for. Thanks, Brendan. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. No jokes. Hey, you know what? A man gets three wishes from a, from a genie. No McDonald joke. Man gets three wishes from a genie. He goes, oh, let me start again. Man walks in, giant pumpkin for a head. Someone says to him, hey, what happened? He says, you'll never you'll never guess. I got three wishes from a genie. First wish, I, I wished for a Ferrari. Wow, Ferrari, fastest car I've ever driven. Amazing. Second wish, <laughs> second wish. I wished for a beautiful lady wife. Got a beautiful lady wife. I can't do that, a subjectification. Second, second wish, I wished for a, a beautiful Armani, a wardrobe full of Armani suits. Beautiful craftsmanship. And uh, third wish, I really messed up. Why, what did you I wished for a giant pumpkin head. <laughs> Norm tells it better than me. Man has just passed away. They're at his funeral service. His buddy of 50 years gets up, asks the widow, says, may I get up and, and say a little something? She says, why, of course, you knew him for years. He gets up there and he just simply says, bargain. And then he sits back down and the wife comes up completely teary-eyed, just overcome with emotion. She says, thank you. I know that means a great deal. 
<laughs> Amazing. And on that high note, we'll see you. Do 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 Join us on Facebook and all of the antiquated social media. Do do do. Where communities don't actually function. We hope this episode has been See you all later. This was useful. Education request to join them, we'll let you in. Request and we tweet we'll reasonably in. interesting kind of stuff on Twitter there. And we animate so far, portions kind of, of our podcast stories that reinforce our You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching Reinventing Education Podcast. Let's see if we want to organize. We appreciate you liking, reviewing, or sharing our stuff online. this episode. But we're just as happy if you talk about the ideas you've heard here from with friends or colleagues in person. Attention is a valuable thing. Brennan and myself, attention is a valuable thing these days. Thanks for having some of your attention. I'm throwing it in. What we're you decide in the edits. I think that one's worth bringing in with a concrete. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely, there's a lot of abstract stuff going on in the first. You can even hear it. I know you need to go. Last comment. You can hear it in both of our voices, I bet, when you listen back. Because I noticed in the first 10 minutes, almost every one of our sentences went up at the end. Like, we weren't sure what we were saying. Week. So All right, brother, see you later. See you, man. Easy. Have a good day. It's ebony and ivory. <laughs> Beautiful song. Truly Jackson at his best. I don't think there's a song that better defines that man's career than that one. And the one he had nothing to do with. A corporate obligation. Um, today we look at what happened. Perfect right. segue. <laughs> no, so I just read the words. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go into it. So right now, go on, just say the words. Listen to that fucking airplane. Can you hear it? Okay, I'll just, I'll just keep on. I'll keep, this is staying in. Um,